Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me is CNBC's senior tech correspondent Arjun Karpal. Apple have finally released their Vision Pro headset. At $3,500, who's going to buy this new gadget? We have a special guest joining us to answer this question and find out what Apple's new gadget is like to wear and use. And finally, with Meta, PlayStation and HTC all in the VR AR development race, where's next for this burgeoning industry? Beyond the Valley. Are you excited about this today's special guest? I'm I'm really excited. Uh, it's somebody I've known uh, for a long time and whose opinion I love when it comes to gadgets. Uh, he's always on the money. You're teasing this a little oh, bit. Yeah. You've revealed already his gender. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you'd do very well to just guess from that. I mean, that'd be you'd be better than your efforts on stat of the week recently. Whoa. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, let's let's hear it. What is stat? Six point eight million. Six point eight million. Yeah. Right, terrific. All right, I'll make note of that. Yeah. Any anything exciting happened last week uh, over the weekend? Um, also, but it doesn't have to. You don't. We don't always live exciting lives. We don't. Even though you know our audience probably think we do. Yeah. I I don't have a lot. No, I mean I'm I'm getting married this year, and uh, we're also renovating a house, and so I've become that person now. Who only talks about that stuff, mm. and um, I annoy my I annoy myself actually when I hear myself talking about that. Are you doing the work yourself? Not all the work, but the, the sort of decorative part sure. of it, which is something we can do, save a bit of save a bit of money. Okay, uh, so maybe I can go That's and nice. and buy one of the headsets that we've been talking about today, <laughs> actually, <laughs> or we will be talking actually, about today. But we're we're, we're going to be talking about headsets, and um, before we invite our special guest, I would actually like to see the headset you've been testing. Ah, yeah. Um, let's do a quick primer. Right? Okay, nice. I, I know our, our, our very smart audience probably know this already, but we might have some new listeners in. And so virtual reality. These are headsets where you're effectively in a completely virtual world. Nothing around you is real. It's a fictional world, all digital. Then you've got augmented, augmented reality. So when you put your headset on, usually you can see the world around you, the room you're in, for example, your living room or your kitchen. But actually digital images, videos, media generally is superimposed on top of that world that you see in front of you. Then there's mixed reality, which effectively brings in it's more on the augmented reality side. Um, and so that's that's where we're at at the But moment. what's the difference, though, between mixed reality and augmented reality? I don't think there's too much difference. Yeah. It's just naming it sounds, at this point. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Yeah, okay. right. you know, they sort of say bit of virtual reality, bit of augmented reality in okay. there. So it's it's all, you know, you sort of get to this point where it's all very jargony and, and, and marketing yeah. turn. Right, so let's see your headset. Okay, so then. I've been using <laughs> virtual reality. Right. Right, so this one, I've got to take my headphones off for this. Oh, I know. Oh, wow. look at that. Huge mode on my head. Okay. Yeah, big. So these are coming off. Okay. Um, mixed, well, I've been using virtual reality and, and specifically the PSVR2. This is the... 
as he reaches second down. generation of PlayStation's headset. Look at this. Wow, look at yeah. that. Now, the first thing you'll notice is, obviously, it's quite big. <laughs> um, it's size. I'm going to put it on. Um, now, there we go. I can't see anything because it's not plugged in. Right, so you're just uh, staring at so I'm just staring, darkness. It's just dark. I can't, even, <laughs> I can't see anything because it's not plugged. But um, it's actually, I know it looks heavy, but it's not heavy at all. Um, it was quite fun to... Is it, is it counterbalanced? Like, is there a weight at the back so it doesn't sort of yeah, fall off the front? Yeah, it sort of feels quite nicely weighted and I yeah. could move my head about. So. Yeah. But the thing give, you'll give notice... Us a go. Yeah, have a, have right. a whirl. But the thing you'll notice is this what I'm holding I'm here. You have to take your headphones off, yeah. So... Sure, this is um, thrilling listening for our viewers who just hear shuffling. But that's why they Tom's need to watch put, the video clips yeah. on social media. You, we are posting our videos on TikTok and, and Instagram. It's resting a little bit quite heavily on my nose. Yeah. Well, you, you have to make the adjustments. Okay, and stuff, sorry, so right, okay, there's a okay, few. Okay. Yeah, you it's actually cool. quite comfortable, apart from that weight a little bit at the front. But uh, yeah, I just need to probably tighten it up at the back and then it sort of alleviates. But it's not so bad. Yeah. And, and so there's a pair of headphones that actually are, are, are tucked into it as well, which you put in, which I'm not connected. Uh, but, but the one thing you'll notice, I think, is this: I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing this huge wire off of you mm. that's connected to the headset. And actually, this is going to form, I think, a part of our conversation and what we talk about, which is that um, there's these virtual reality and the headsets now. Some of them are wired, some of them aren't. Uh, and ultimately, I think the perfect headset is an... Uh, a wireless, untethered headset. But the problem with, with a headset like this is it needs to be plugged into the PlayStation 5 mm. uh, to get that extra power uh, and in order to get the great experiences. Now, my experiences with this this week have been um, excellent for gaming. It's really cool. Obviously, it's a novel experience. We're not, you know, in virtual worlds all the time, and so you've got this very unique thing, but you're you're sort of in the heart of a game. It's, it's kind of the... the what, what we've all been wanting to, to do for so long is really be immersed in the game, and that's pretty cool. And, and so, you know, PlayStation, Sony, uh, who own PlayStation, have gone out with a specific product designed for gaming. And then you've got other products on the spectrum, like those made from Meta, the parent of Facebook, which have various use cases for them, whether it's, um, you know, experiencing uh movies or, or being in different worlds or playing games as well. Uh, and then you've got, of course, the Apple Vision Pro, um, which is Apple's attempt at this sort of mixed reality uh, idea. And that, as we'll probably hear very shortly, it is, is a whole different kind of product uh, and designed for different experiences. And I think it's fascinating now. We're getting to this point where everyone is thinking about, yes, we have the smartphone, we've got laptops, we've got tablets, we've got smartwatches, but actually what's next in terms of the big consumer gadget and perhaps the next frontier of computing? What a brilliant segue into introducing our first guest. So let's get started. Beyond the Valley. I'd like to introduce our special guest for this week, Todd Hazelton, CNBC's Deputy Technology Editor. Todd, thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Valley. Thanks for having me. First question, what's it been like using the Vision Pro? So it's been pretty wild. It, it you know, I went in with kind of lower expectations, having tested over the years, you know, various uh, mixed reality headsets, virtual reality headsets, what have you. Uh, so I went in, you know, expecting more of the same and was very impressed with what Apple did. And for a couple of reasons, I think the first thing is is the sharpness of the screens. So you're looking at extremely sharp displays that nobody else has. And it 
it makes it more immersive um, than what I've seen with other headsets. And the second is that you can actually kind of work in it and play and do lots of things because you can move windows around, um, which sure you can do on the quest uh, meta quest three, for example, but I think those are more geared towards games and stuff. Uh, maybe some video watching, but again, the sharpness isn't different. So that's a quick overview. I'd say. And Todd, one of the really interesting things is the way you interact with the device as well. And it's something we saw with, with, with Microsoft HoloLens when they released that a while ago. But it's the, the, the ability to almost use your hands in this minority uh, report style way, right? How, how, does that, how does that work exactly? Right. So there's, there's two sort of elements. Well, there's probably a lot more, but there's two to keep it simple. On the outside, there are sensors cameras that watch your hands so you can look around the screen i'll explain that in a second look around the screen and pinch and tap and zoom and pull and all kinds of things and you don't have to hold it out in front of you your hands like you're doing a minority report you'd actually hold them sort of down in your lap it it has a really good view when it's uh watching what your hand movements are and then all of that is in sync with your eyes inside the headset. So there's more sensors around your eyes. And as you're looking, it's pretty dead on. You have to train it um, for every user. You have to look at these dots as you go through the setup and pinch your fingers so that it, it calibrates with your eyes. And then what you do is you look around and that's like your mouse instead of, you know, like a controller on the Quest, for example. And then you pinch your forefinger and your thumb and you select things. So it's pretty wild that you're actually just controlling things by what you're looking at. And Todd, with your review, um, you, you were very uh, pleased with a lot of the aspects of it. For you, what, what would you say are like your top uh, moments uh, You know, using the device? What were some of the most useful things you, you were able to do? And some of the things you think, wow, this is really a unique experience that I can only really get with this kind of device. Yeah, so the biggest thing was uh, just the the sharpness of what you're looking at. So in a lot of headsets until now, you've had what's called the screen door effect, where it kind of looks like, you, know, you can see the pixels. It looks like you're looking through a screen door sometimes, and that takes some of the immersion out. So that right away helps with a lot of what I found uh, just pretty incredible. So video, for example... Um, you can, you can watch movies and it's like, you know, 4k more than 4k. You can make it, you know, a hundred feet big. You just blow things up huge. Um, there's also the immersion in the environment. So there's different backgrounds you can set around you, uh, whether it's Joshua tree or the top of a volcano in Hawaii. Um, and then the multitasking. So you can, again, like, open up, say, your browser, Safari, in front of you, and then you can have your Apple Music player, a uh, movie to your left, you can have CNBC open. I, mean, I, I was, I think I had 12 apps open before. Like I covered my entire view um, of, of what you can see and do. And you just look to each app. And one thing, one thing that makes this really interesting, too, is the way Apple and other companies they use what's called foveated rendering. So it's really only processing what you're looking at at the moment. And you don't realize this. It's it's all kind of happening in the background. Uh, so you can have all these apps open, but the one in front of you, the one you're looking at is the one that's rendered. And so it can balance the processing inside with that. And, and Todd, so those those are the cool bits. What were some of the, the, the areas uh, for improvement or the, the things you weren't quite happy with? 
Yeah. So I think the first is that it's big. You know, I, we, we all looking back, you know, the past 10, 15 years, we'd always talk about like these headsets that were coming. Magic Leap was one that made like big promises, right? And there's a difference between the way Magic Leap and HoloLens even worked. You were looking through these little kind of like glass lenses, let's say, and uh, it was augmented reality in the sense that you were, you still saw the world around you. And I'm going to drone on for a little bit here, but <laughs> so what made those kind of a little smaller in the sense of like magic leap is saw the world around you. And then you saw digital things laid on top of it. But if you ever looked away outside this little stamp of a viewpoint, then everything kind of disappeared. You couldn't see anything. Now, Apple, the way they approached it with this headset is, and it's what Meta was doing too. I think they had to make a compromise, right? So you have a VR headset that shows you the world outside you and then can also digitally lay everything on top of it or engross you fully the way VR does. Um, and so to do that, the trade-off is, is, is a much bigger headset. Um, so some people have said that it's heavy, that I've talked to. They can feel it on their nose. They can feel it on their head. They wouldn't wear it for many hours. I didn't have too much of a problem with that. You know, Maybe it's because I have a big head or I just lounge on the couch with it. Uh, so I liked it. But, I mean, you do feel it over time on your head. Um, there's also, you know, field of view could be wider, I think, eventually. And that's like your peripheral vision. You can still see like the, the black borders around the sides of the uh, lenses. Uh, there's a battery pack that I got up to about three hours watching movies. Apple promises up to like two and a half. So beat that a little bit. But again, like, you know, eventually you want, I think we want this in, in a small pair of glasses. And then of course the price. It's $3,400, which is just a lot of money. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career. Have lots of careers. Try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business business leaders on cnbc.com. Let's get on to the price because, you know, as someone who wouldn't have three and a half thousand dollars spare, um, this isn't, doesn't seem to me to be an essential piece of tech like a smartphone at this point. You've said already previously that if you did have three and a half thousand dollars, you would buy it. Is, is that still still the case? Yeah, I think so. Like if I, you know, if I had a ton of disposable income and maybe this is the market right now, right? Like the, the rich folks in Silicon Valley, you know, the, the young and you got a bunch of money, you're like, sure, you know, go buy it. Or you're a gadget guy and you, and this is what your hobby is and you have a lot of money, you know, people spend lots of money on things like cars and other things. So there's a market for that, you know, people that want this. I think, you know, I was having a, a discussion with somebody yesterday about the price and his point of view was, Look, has Apple ever really lowered the price on things? Like, not really, not that much. Maybe future iterations actually just focus on making it smaller and keep the price high because, you know, arguably, if you add in a faster processor or even with today's, you could, you know, depending on your use case, replace your iPad and your Mac. Um, you can work in it. And if you were to do that, then you're saving, you know, let's say, 
you're not buying a thousand dollar iPad Pro, you're not buying a thousand or two thousand dollar MacBook Pro or MacBook Air, then you've kind of offset the cost. And so that makes sense maybe in the future. Um, and you know, I don't think Apple was too worried about, you know, as long as people are buying Apple products, <laughs> they're not too worried about eating into their other product lines. From someone, an outsider's, say, perspective on this, someone who hasn't tried out the the headset, I, it seems to me that it's more a collectible for people who are really into tech and VR headsets. And, and this is quite strong wording, but it feels more of a gimmick for that, that particular audience right now. That, that's how I see it. But I do really appreciate that down the line, this could, you know, develop into something sleeker, something more user friendly. Is that how you see it as well? No, um, but I do get the, per- I understand the perspective. I think, you know, for the, for the normal folks out there who are just like, I need a laptop, you know, this isn't for them necessarily. Um, but I, I don't, I, I agree with you on the sense that like looking at it without having tried it, I was like, eh, you know, I, I've seen these things before and I've seen them die and they kind of seem like gimmicks. But once you put it on, it's, um, I don't know. There, there's just something about it. It's very easy to use. And if you're into this kind of thing where you're like, I just want screens that I can resize and make huge in front of me. And, you know, if you wanted to hook up a keyboard in the, in the trackpad that Apple sells, you can do that. You can work. Like I wrote a lot of my review in it. Um, it actually is really cool. And I see it as something, you know, somebody might be like, well, well I, I I want to do these things uh, and I don't really want an iPad, then, you know, and I want something really fun and cool and futuristic, then yeah. But yeah, it's not for everybody yet. Uh, so I see your point there. And, um, but really, I think my recommendation is for a lot of people to just try it because it's, it's a lot different than, you know, I thought going in. Before, before I ask a, a sort of more serious question on the broader landscape, I do want to ask Todd, why are people wearing, uh, or why am I seeing stories about people wearing <laughs> Vision Pro while driving Teslas? <laughs> yeah. So all of this doesn't make sense. It's honestly, it's not even possible. Um, you can't, there's a travel mode built in and it's specifically right now for airplanes. So you can't walk in it. You can't drive in it. Um, it what happens is the windows just blow past you. They go where you set them up. And so um, the people you've seen, some of them, <clears throat> excuse me, on like crosswalks, they, they, like they're crossing the street with them and they're kind of dragging their hand along. That, I assume, is them trying to keep the window in front of them. Uh, it, it's not possible. I think it's all a gimmick and kind of just, you know, trying to go viral. Yeah. So, so just on the broader landscape beyond the Vision Pro, then Todd, we're in a world now where everyone's talking about these different modes of computing, and and you've got you've got VR and AR and and mixed reality, uh, sort of bringing those two together. There was this really um, fun piece I'm reading from 2016, right? Uh, my colleague Matt Clinch uh, wrote, uh, and it was a, it's got a brilliant headline: uh, "Virtual reality is the future, but it makes me want to vomit." And uh, he <laughs> he was. Uh, 
ex- expressly addressing the issue that were quite prevalent in some for some people with VR headsets in particular, where um, you know people felt sick as a result of I, playing it. I am one of those people as well. You, you, that I, happened to you. I honestly felt sick as soon as I put on a VR headset. So yeah, I, I mean, I've been using them for a little bit, sort of on and off. I haven't felt intensely sick, but recently for VR in particular. I've been playing with and just trialing out the the PS VR two, the PlayStation virtual reality headset, and I didn't feel sick, but it it was getting to a point where it was quite realistic, and I was sort of playing this game. I was climbing up a mountain, and I looked down, and I shouldn't have looked down, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm quite high up. You got a bit of vertigo. Yeah, a little bit of vertigo. I was like, whoa, whoa. Uh, uh, but the the VR technology has come on so good, and I, and I look at the the landscape, and now we've got these different modes of computing, these different ways of interacting for devices. It feels to me when I look at it, VR. It is clearly a winner when it comes to sort of gaming right now. This is where it's it's really strong, and augmented reality. This idea of of digital images, etc., overlaid on our real world feel to be an area where people are looking at it in so so many different areas. Productivity, Todd, you were talking about writing an article on the Vision Pro or, or, or some of these other uh, other interactions as well. I mean, Todd, just from your point of view, what, what do you see, I guess, the different uses for, for VR versus, versus AR and, and I guess what some companies are calling mixed reality too? So with VR and mixed reality, I think there's different use cases. So if you're in VR, for example, um, you know, like you said, gaming, although I agree, it, Tom, it makes me uh, nauseous in video games where you're moving around in that 3D environment. And I didn't on the Vision Pro, I didn't feel nauseous because I wasn't moving around in these 3D environments. Like I'm sitting still and controlling the windows in front of me or watching videos around me. Uh, there are some really immersive kind of scary scenes. We were up really high. So if you don't like heights, like that's kind of scary. But, um, and then in terms of mixed reality or, um, those use cases, I think that that's where you can see the world around you. And I like this a lot better to be honest, because again, like the motion sickness kind of idea. So you can still see the room that you're sitting in, but, but you just put big displays up, excuse me. And, that also has a, a gaming element too. Like you can play games and make them as big as your wall and sit there with a the controller and still use them. Um, or again, like you can work, uh, browse the web, do whatever, switch between all of them. Um, so, you know, I think it depends. I think gaming is one aspect that people are focusing VR on. And then I think mixed reality seems to be right now sort of uh, not just the mixed reality, but mixed use cases and multitasking and lots of things like that. That mixed reality seems to be, yeah, as you mentioned, seems to be perhaps something that will be more appealing to a wider array of users. I mean, the the VR stuff, I, I you know, I, I like gaming when I, when I get time, as you know, Tom. Um, you know, I enjoy it. So for me, it was pretty cool because I was running around, you know, firing arrows and I used to do archery. So it was a, I was firing arrows nice. and running around and climbing mountains, obviously stuff that I'm not going to be doing in real life, <laughs> um, yeah. only on my weekends, um, but it was, it was good fun. But obviously, yeah, with, with, with augmented reality, mixed reality, it seems as a, a bigger use case, you know, you can, you can increase your screen size and have a cinema size screen in front of you. You can do all your work uh, and lots of other things. Uh, I do agree with Todd. I, I can see in the future where there, there, as the technology improves, as the price point comes down somewhat, where it becomes a device that 
could potentially replace uh, some of the laptops and tablets that that we're currently um, using. The the thing I I find difficult, though, is that we are on our laptops and our smartphones a lot of the day, uh, particularly when we're working. And with this headset, if let's say it does replace your laptop or your tablet or, or your even your phone, you're going to essentially be wearing something on your on your head for extended periods of time. Now, for someone, I don't know, I might be unique, but I don't want to be wearing anything I don't need to be wearing. Um, and you, you know, I've even done a really small survey today of people who wear glasses and I said if you could choose not to wear glasses would you 100% yes from all of them so this idea that you know we could suddenly move into a world where we are we are going to be wearing these headsets I don't know I, I just I don't I would really not want to do that until and this may be down 10 20 30 years down the road but maybe a contact lens Maybe we could see one day that this technology can be all filtered into two contact lenses, put on your eyeballs, on your retinas, then maybe I might consider it. But even then, I'd still maybe feel that I have contact lenses on. (laughs) So, you know, it's that additional thing that I don't want to necessarily be having on my head. You're going very sci-fi there, Tom. I like it. I agree with you, too, because, you know, like... It's weird for a gadget guy to say this, but I'm going to say, like, you want, I like to leave technology behind <laughs> most of the time, as much as I can. And I, I'm almost like, like the phone's too much already. You know, I wear a smartwatch. Uh, I actually have like a traditional watch that I'll put on after work because I just don't want notifications on my wrist. And it's like, you know, now we're going to put it in our face all the time. And I, I don't know if I want that either, but one of the things I guess I like about the headsets is sort of just like take it off and walk away. <laughs> Be like, that's it. And maybe, you know, maybe that's a way that you can kind of disconnect too. Like you're just like, all right, no more notifications. That thing's over on the desk and we'll leave it there like you would a computer or something like that. No, I can see that. But I, I also, you know, your feeling about wanting to keep the smartphone away. I'm this, I'm, you know, I think there is a move. Okay, it's slow and it's probably just beginning, but towards people not wanting to have their smartphone on them all the time and realize then mm-hmm. realizing that actually being on your phone all the time may not be the best thing for you or your mental health or your social interaction with the real world right. your family members your friends and and you know if we're then moving into a place where you know i potentially we're all wearing these headsets what is that something that people will want to do Maybe. yeah i don't like that's the that's the trillion dollar question. I don't know the billions and billion dollar question. This is a major new product category, and I think you know potentially. But yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And for me, you know, when I when I was reviewing it, I was thinking like use cases, like okay, maybe an airplane. We're like, you don't really want to be there <laughs> in the environment, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Where you're in like you're in an office cube, and you're like, I don't I don't really want to see this cube, like. Maybe that's the case where you're like, all right, I'm at work. I'd rather be sitting on the top, you know, in Hawaii and and have my windows up around me. And that's kind of nice. You know, it's better than just the wallpaper on your computer. So maybe it's more just like pulling out of out of these situations you don't necessarily want to be in. Uh, it gives you that opportunity. But it, it's a it's a scary future to think about in some ways, a lot of ways, um, just putting these computers on our faces and 
you know, the real world's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Take a walk. It's a great, it's a great yeah. thing to do. Yeah. To walk up the real mountain, Arjun. Well, it was it was really high. I I, I was climbing for ages. There are no so. mountains like that in London. Unfortunately. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, there's a there's tall buildings, but I won't climb those. You know, I do have to say though, just speaking of the real world, the the ability to relive some of your memories, like your videos and your photos through it, that's pretty cool. To go back and and see, like you know, my, I filmed my kids, my baby. I don't know if you guys could hear her crying. Uh, seeing her in the video, um, that's pretty neat. That's really nice. Um, Don, just before we, we, we let you go and, uh, you know, it's been a great, really fun conversation. Um, what, what beyond, uh, you know, headsets, VR, AR, mixed reality, you know, the smartphone still very front and center of our, our lives from a, from a gadget perspective. Uh, a lot of smartphone makers talking about AI on their phones this year and AI phones, etc. Is there anything exciting you at the moment in the in the world of consumer electronics? I, I think the headsets, the, uh, it's the most exciting thing right now. The AI uh, stuff, yeah, it's exciting. It's uh, frightening in a lot of ways, especially for our industry and journalism and, and, and how they're getting these answers. Um and, you know, I worry about how it might replace jobs. I also hope, you know, maybe it'll make some jobs easier, too. Uh, in terms of phones, you know, Arjun, you've covered phones for a long time, too. I think it's maybe the most exciting thing are foldables. And yet, I, I don't know. Those don't excite me terribly much. They feel like, you know, it's very iterative. We get better screens and better cameras every year. So, like, what what's changing there? I don't I don't know. It's become a lot less exciting on that front. And so that's why I think these headsets are something new and, and fun to look forward to and, and use. I think you're right there. I think it is it is an exciting moment. And, you know, I think it's just the beginning um, for, for VR and AR. Um, I know it's been going for a few years, but I still feel like we're in the very early stages. But um, thank you so much, Todd, for uh, joining us on Beyond the Valley and giving us all that terrific insight on the Vision Pro. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you very much uh, to Todd. Right, let's find out what else is happening in the world of tech. Beyond the Valley. We haven't talked too much about microchips recently, and right on cue, some very interesting news has come out this week. The Financial Times has reported that China's biggest chipmaker, SMIC, has developed new semiconductor production lines in Shanghai to mass-produce the chips designed by Chinese tech giant Huawei. Arjun, why is this such big news? It's big news because the U.S., uh, the United States, has been uh, on a path uh, using various sanctions and export restrictions to try to cut China off from some of the technology to make the most advanced chips in the world. Now we've got a report from the Financial Times suggesting that SMIC, uh, China's largest chip maker, is actually making relatively advanced chips. Now, they're not the most advanced chips. And, and, and just a quick overview um, – SMIC's production plans, according to the FT, are to make um, chips on on so-called five nanometer mo- nodes. Um, when when we when we talk about that, and if you listen to past episodes, we've gone in depth on these. But effectively, if you think about the chips that are in the latest iPhones, they're three nanometers. So there are still a couple generations behind what SMIC is making, but it shows progress, uh, and that's the concern. That will be the concern, I think, for the US. Uh, but obviously, for China, it's the fact that they're using existing equipment that they have. Um, which they're now kind of blocked off from, um, to then make these more advanced chips. Um, so that's 
that's where China will tout a win, will tout progress. Two points I think are worth noting here. It's one thing being able to manufacture the chips. It's another um, situation being able to actually manufacture these chips profitably uh, and efficiently. And there were two points, and this is something I've been talking about for a while. There were two points that the Financial Times brought up in their story. Uh, One of them was that SMIC has incurred additional costs in doing this. SMIC was having to charge 40 to 50% more for products from its 5 nanometer and 7 nanometer fabrication nodes than Taiwan's TSMC does on the same nodes. So effectively saying they're charging way more for the same chips produced by TSMC. That's Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Co. Uh, They're the biggest chip maker in the world. Uh, The other thing they noted in in that story was SMIC's yield. Yield is the number of chips that are considered good enough to actually give to customers to then put in these smartphones. To to give to Huawei, for instance. Um, That yield is also less than one-third of TSMC's. So what's happening is, yes, they're producing the chips, but there's a lot of wastage because some of them are just not usable or, or able to ship to customers, and they're more expensive. And so that is going to be a big challenge. If uh, SMIC cannot get its hands on the latest, more efficient chip-making equipment, which it's been blocked off from right now, yes, it may be able to make advances, but is that viable? And that's the question. And, and you don't think that they could create their own technology, or is that going to just take too too long, be too expensive? To, to, to be able to then develop the you know these chips or, or or at least the level of chips that are currently being used by Apple, for instance. Yeah. So at the moment, it seems that there's very few Chinese companies that can fill the gaps along the chip supply chain uh, like American and European companies can. Um, and so that's the issue. It's not the fact the manufacturing side; it's the fact that um, SMIC can't get its hands on certain equipment. That is Certain got, components. And tools. And tools. The tools right. to make and design okay, chips got you. that make the most advanced chips. Um, and, and that's the problem right now. And there's no Chinese, really, uh, companies that can f- replicate what some of these very critical firms in Europe and in the US and even in Japan do uh, along this chip supply chain. And that's also probably holding that, that, that limitation to that to developing, you know, the amount of chips needed is also holding back Huawei in the, in their smartphone production, I imagine. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, Huawei um, need the most advanced chips uh, to be competitive in the space again. And they released the phone last year, we did a whole episode on it, uh, which had a relatively advanced chip and uh, it was a huge surprise. Uh, and so they're going to be hoping, and they're going to be working, no doubt, with SMIC to figure this out. Um, but of course, when the US um, started to put restrictions on the Chinese semiconductor industry, um, one of the big chats was like, will this crush the China's industry or will it sort of spur them into self-sufficiency? And I think we're starting to see some of the effects of that. Um, you know, I'm not going to sort of go out here and say this is a huge win for China, but it's progress. Uh, and that will worry, um, I, I suspect, politicians in Washington in particular. Okay, uh, let's leave that story there. And before we finish, let's do stat of the week, which is... 6.8 million. The number of VR headsets sold in 2023. Oh, it's actually a forecast. Ah, and it's... I, the... I th- 
is the number of augmented reality headsets to be um, shipped in 2027. This is a forecast from IDC. Now, just to give you a comparison, 6.8 million. uh, This year, they're expecting 845,000. Right, so So, that's a bit ahead of it. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it just gives you an indication of the kind of growth and actually how small the market is right now. Yeah. Um, and and where we might be going mm-hmm. if these forecasts are right. Okay. All right. Um, that's it for this episode. Before we go, please follow and subscribe to the show and rate us. Be kind, but be honest, but mainly be kind. And your involvement with the podcast doesn't stop there. If you would like us to cover a particular topic in tech that you want to know more about, then email us at beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and we will do it. We'll dedicate a whole podcast to your tech desires thank you to Todd uh, and before we go just a heads up that there won't be a podcast next week I'm on holiday lucky for some <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just where bit, are you going uh, to well actually I don't know if I want to reveal don't that reveal it, okay. don't reveal it can you reveal the country uh, no no wow. I, I'm, I'm going to the Middle East okay international man of mystery quite that's what you are <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, Arjun, and thank you for the for today's work. Yeah, it was great. It was really fun. Are it's you going to go buy a headset? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> At least we, we learned a lot. Yeah, we did. We, we did. Okay. Thank you, Arjun. Thank you, Tom. We'll be back in two weeks for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Family.